Can we go home now? <laughs> Let's thank our band, Kiara. Wow. Now, last, what, Monday, all of us were looking up into the sky at night. Do you remember that? Fourth of July, looking at, at fireworks. Most of us did that. I want you to imagine that for some reason or another, tonight, let's say around 10 o'clock, you wander outside. You go outside, you look around, imagine that it's a clear night, there's no ambient light here in Houston. Again, we're using our imagination. You look up into the dark, clear night and all of a sudden you see in the sky, you see the stars where the Milky Way usually is and the stars are configured in such a way that you can make out these three words. God is real. Like, wow, is that, is that right? So the first thing you do, of course, is take your cell phone out and take a picture of it. Right? God is real. You wonder, is this just me? You check your phone. Your phone is blowing up. All these friends are texting you. God is real. Do you see it? Did you see the stars? God is real. God is real. Of course, it's all in English because God is an American. And so, so you're like, this is amazing. So the very next day, you know, it's in the papers and, you know, you, some pastors and theologians are kind of strutting around and said, told you so, we were right. And some skeptics are like blown away and they change from their atheism, agnosticism to at least believe in God. Other skeptics say, no, it's not a G, it was a six holding on, right, no matter what. It was a six, not a G, so it's not God is real, it's six O-D is, anyway. So you go out. Monday night, look up in the sky, and it's still there, God is real. The very next night, you look up, God is real, and after a while, more people are saying, well, I wish God would do something else to give us more evidence, so he changes the language and God is real in Spanish and God is real in Portuguese the next week, God is real in Mandarin, God is real even in Russian. And so it's up there in the sky that we all can see and maybe the next few weeks, God adds some music, you know, and some colors to kind of make things brighter, and a little more majestic, God is real until one night, a little 10-year-old boy, as the story goes, walks outside at night. He has a baseball cap on. It's pulled backwards. He's chewing some bubble gum. And he looks up in the sky, and he reads those words, God is real. And he says, so what? So what? Now, before you criticize this 10 role in our story, think about it. I think he's kind of tapped into something there. Because I think it's great to know that God is real and if God chose to do that with stars, that's great. But, but I think we want 
and long for something more than simply the reality that God is real. We long for the wonder, if you would, of a life-changing encounter with this God. So today we begin a series this entire summer on having life-changing encounters. What does a life-changing encounter do? How do we put ourselves in a position, in a place where we may experience, if you would, a life-changing encounter with God? Well, the most influential book in the history of the world is the Bible. The book that's been translated into more languages than any book in the history of the world is the Bible. The book that is the number one bestseller in New York Times and every newspaper around the world, it's the perennial bestseller and has been for hundreds of years, is the Bible. And the Bible talks to us a lot about encounters with God. And one of my favorite encounters is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a book that's in the Old Testament. Um, you may need some help finding it, gentlemen. If so, that's okay. If not, look up on the slides in front of you and you'll see Isaiah chapter number six. And we'll look at this unusual, life-changing encounter and we'll see what can we learn from that. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which were angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, love, 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 peace. No, it's not what they were crying out. They were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices and the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Wow. What an incredible vision this guy has. And the guy that's writing this passage is a guy by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah is known as a major prophet. And Isaiah was unique. So, you know, a lot of prophets, you think about people living out in the desert and wearing tunics and eating locusts and yelling and screaming, repent and all that. Not Isaiah. Isaiah was sophisticated. Isaiah was wealthy. Isaiah was a statesman. Isaiah if you watch those, uh, you know, British time period series, was in the court. He was in the court. He gave advice. He counseled the kings and leaders. And King Uzziah had reigned for 52 years. Imagine having the same president of the United States for 52 years. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. That'd be great. America. I don't know if I'd want... That was my best Biden and Trump, I'm sorry. (laughs) Either one of those cats for 52 years. But for 52 years, Uzziah did a pretty good job of ruling and reigning in Judah and Israel. He did a great job. Then he went a little sideways. He stepped out of his lane as leader and king, tried to be a priest, got leprosy and died. 
the people that followed him were, you know, not really competent. They were not doing the job. And so Isaiah is going into church, if you would. He's going into the temple. He wants some comfort. This is a time of great crisis. He wants comfort, but instead what he gets is this incredible revelation, if you would, of the holiness of God. God is holy. God is real. Yes, he's real. Yet on a deeper level, God is holy. He is holy, holy, holy. God is not love, love, love. God is not peace, peace, peace. God is not happiness, happiness, happiness. God is not blessing, blessing, blessing. That's not God. God is holy, holy, holy. And the word holy means a cut above. It means transcendent. So God is a cut above. He is, he is other than us. He is the ultimate being of beings. He is perfect in his purity. He is perfect in his power. He exists in unapproachable light and power. And here Isaiah, this man who thought he was godly, goes into the temple for comfort during a time of crisis, and he encounters the very holiness of God. And many times, a crisis in our life is what leads to a profound encounter with God. A crisis can lead to a life-changing encounter. So let's see what happens next. Let's see what a life-changing encounter looks like. Not exactly. This is a unique story that happened in Isaiah's life and world. Let's see how that plays out in our lives as well. Look what happened in verse Verses 5 following in Isaiah 6. He sees this incredible vision. These angels surrounding the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's smoke in the temple. There's this shaking. I mean, he is wondering what is going to happen next. What does he say in verse 5? Woe to me. I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had, taken, uh, had been taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. So you can smell burning flesh in the altar now and in the church. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. So what happens? What happens in many life-changing encounters we have with God? What happened to Isaiah? When he began to experience and see just a glimpse, just a glimpse of the holiness and power and purity of God, the first thing is he was humbled, and you're humbled, and I'm humbled. He was on his face. He was unraveled. He was undone. 
he had a meltdown right there on the spot in the worship center in church. Woe is me. I am dirty. I am unclean. I have a man, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I, God, I, please, mercy. He's toast. He's on the floor. And that's the first thing that happens to us many times when we have an experience with God. We realize that not only is God out there, but somehow God reveals to us an aspect of his character, in this case his holiness, and we're melted. We're humbled. We realize our our creatureliness, our humanity, that we are mud, that we're of this earth. We're humbled, humbled. God could have left Isaiah on on the ground there and with his face on the floor, prostrate and, 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 and worship and fear, but he didn't. What happened next? The second thing that happens when we have a life-changing encounter is that by God's grace, we, we can be healed. Healed. This angelic creature in this vision took that live coal off the altar and put it on his mouth and said, you're forgiven, your sins are atoned for. It's like for us when we sing about the cross of Christ, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup and the blood, we're looking back at what God has done for us. As we humble ourselves before God, as we confess our our brokenness and our need of him, he has forgiven us completely in Christ if we cry out to him. And what happened on the cross was that you had the the justice of God and the mercy of God shaking hands. God has to deal with the immorality, the evil, the sin that's in this world and it's in your life and in my life. Jesus goes as the innocent one before God lives a life that we can't live, dies a death in our place to take on the justice of God upon himself. And then he rises again on the third day. He's accepted by the Father to say that now our sins can be forgiven if we place our trust, our faith, if you would, in Christ. So when we have an encounter with God, a life-changing encounter, Yes, God is real, but we realize God's holy, we're humbled, and then when we cry out, God, through Christ, have mercy on me, then we can be forgiven, healed, and restored. One of my heroes of the faith is a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I've mentioned many times before. He was imprisoned during World War II by the Nazis, for sneaking Jews out of Germany and for being in the plot to assassinate Hitler. He was martyred toward the end of the war. And here's what he comments, I think, that relates to this passage. He says, 
to be sure the fire of God's love, the fire of God's love burns up all that is evil and false in the human heart that causes pain. To be silent before God means to be humbled before God, to feel the pain of contrition. But beyond all measure, there is the joy of love and grace. We have an encounter with God, a life-changing encounter. We're humbled, we're healed. And the third thing we see here is that we're sent. We're sent. God desires that we understand why we are here. What is our purpose? What is our mission? How do I live out God's plan for my life? How do you live out God's plan for your life right where you live? At school, in your business, at home, in your relationships. How do you live out God's will for your life? Because God wants to use you. God desires to do that. So when we have a, an encounter with God, it's not something that's selfish and Wow, I had this great spiritual warm fuzzy. Look at me, I'm glowing, I'm holy, or whatever you think you are. God always sends us out in service of others. So after this crazy, life-changing experience, this life-changing encounter that Isaiah has, when he is just put on the floor and humble before the holiness of God, and he is healed by this by this, this, this tongue, this burning coal, the voice says from heaven, hey, who are you going to go send to do our work? Isaiah says, here am I, as his hand raised, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. So when we draw near to God, maybe it's a time of crisis. Remember, crisis many times leads to encounter with God. Maybe it's a time of crisis and we cry out to him and we put ourselves before him in his presence. God sends us out to do his will and his work in that moment. And I don't know what that is for you because God's will for you, though there's a general sameness to it, you know, to love God and love others, how that plays out is going to be unique in your life and unique in my life. But again, when we go to God in worship, whether it's public worship like we're doing right now in this gathering, whether it's private worship like Isaiah was doing, God always sends us out to make a difference in the world and in the, in the relationships where we find ourselves day in and day out. And all we have to do is just have our hand raised. God, I, I'm open. God, I, I want to encounter you, and I want to know what you want me to do with my life to serve others, to make a difference right now. Because, how do you say it? A life, a life-changing encounters sends us on life-changing missions, Right? Life-changing encounters with God, being humbled and healed, sends us out into life-changing mission. That's how God works. 
I, I love C.S. Lewis, as you know. C.S. Lewis was an atheist for a good portion of his life. He had a conversion experience when he realized God is real. He said he was the most reluctant convert in all of England, which I think is funny, but I get it. But he wrote these series of books, both intellectual books and children's books and science fiction. The guy was prolific. And in one of the books called The Chronicles of Narnia, a series of books, he talks about Christ as a type of a lion. He calls this lion Aslan. And he says towards one of the ends of the books about Aslan, he goes, you know, he's not a tame lion, but he's good. He's the king. God is not a tame God. But he is good. And he is the king. A king who doesn't just exist solely on a throne high and lifted up. But a king who humbled himself in the form of a servant to give his life for our life that we could be put on mission. It's my prayer for you today. It's my prayer for you that this summer as we walk through these stories together that you would have a life-changing encounter with the God who made you and knows you.